Hello. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in my sister's room today because my room was very noisy. I've been trying to record this for like the past hour and it keeps, you know, people are walking by, construction, the traffic, all this kind of thing. And so I moved everything here. And uh, it's raining now as well. So you might hear the the rain, but maybe uh, at least that's not so bad. It's nice and tranquil. Uh, welcome to the first episode of season two, Jang Jang. <laughs> uh, a lot has happened, and a lot has happened in the past, you know, year and a half since I was away, and uh, not just with me, but with the whole world and. And with you, I'm sure, as well, the listener. A lot has changed with you. As things should change. Everything changes. Natural flow, right? We don't resist. So, you know, I'm not the same person anymore. Neither are you. You know, we're completely different people. Strangers strangers again. So poetic. Uh, but this also means that we get the opportunity to have a clean slate an opportunity to get to know each other again, me with you and you with me. Past few episodes, you you heard it, I was going through some shit. It's over now, right? Um, so yeah, you know, clean slate. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to, as the listener, to learn, and hopefully you can take away some snippets of of, of wisdom from all these people that I'm talking to. For you to grow and 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 so on, and for me as well, as the guy who's making all this, the the creator, the the guy who's speaking, uh, I get the chance to express myself. So it helps to 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 share my thoughts and to. I don't know. It just feels nice to to be able to to express. So win win, right? Um. What else do I say? Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, of course, yes, I need to say this. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you should know that you can go to coffee.com. <laughs> coffee.com slash mostly yoga to show your support. Bang. Uh, if you decide to donate, thank you. I much appreciate it. And if you don't, uh, it's fine as well. Uh, this podcast will always be free to listen to, um, and I'm happy to keep making it because I enjoy doing it. I like talking to people, I like connecting with people, and I like to learn all these things from all these interesting people who I've had on and who I'm gonna have, con- who I'm go- uh, who I'm gonna continue to have on. So, um, thank you for that. There's yeah, the links all in the description below. And uh, let's talk about my guest today. So, uh, my comeback episode. It's uh I get to speak with Bo. Um I think at the start I was a bit nervous. I haven't done this in a long fucking time. And then when we met up, you know, I, I don't re- I don't really know Bo that well. Like we we meet, we chat in the student and stuff like that. But I, I don't really know him. So at the start I was a bit nervous, you know, like how do I how do I make him feel comfortable? How do I fucking do this again, you know? But then 
I think like you know, like usually when these things start, I talk and then we talk and we learn and we share and then like we started to get to know each other a little bit better and it's, and the conversation starts to flow, and then in the middle of it, like wow, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I'm in the moment and and nothing else matters, which is always fun. Like you know, when you're in that state of flow. Um, Shirley w- was there as well. She was sitting, you know, at the side. They come as a pair, right? Um, she was there and. I told her, like, you know, if you any time you want to just say something, you can. And I asked, I also wanted to do an, an episode with just her, but she was a bit shy. So maybe next time, if you see her in the studio, just you know, book her a bit, like, hey, come and do it with me. Maybe that will encourage her to do so. Um, in this episode, we talk about, let me see what we talked about. Um, I wrote it all down. Where's the thing? Chotomate. Oh, okay. Um, so at the start, we talked a lot about uh, his gurus, his teachers, and his journey spiritually. It was quite abstract. Um, I tried to follow it, but then also there were a lot of terminologies that I wasn't really familiar with, but he describes them really well. You, 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 you know what I mean. And then he talks about um, tantric, talks about non-duality, talks about Anusara, of course, talks about his life in the ashram, about Kundalini, and about our spiritual awakenings as well. I talked about mine, he talked about his, we talked about the the divine power of, of all things and everything. It was very, it was one of those podcasts, right? So I'm excited to share it, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Um, give me any feedback if you have any, uh, and... Yeah, you know what? Just just listen to it. I don't want to talk so much, really. Without any further ado... Hmm, when was the last time you heard that, right? Without any further ado, here's my guest. Welcome to Season 2. Enjoy. <laughs> okay, as of now, we're recording already. We can start anytime. Okay. So, hello, hello, Bo. It's been a while since I've spoken to anyone recently. Uh, like I said, I'm a bit nervous since I've done this. I hope everything is all coordinated correctly we have you we have Shirley over there sitting behind us at some point I'm ho- I hope that she will come in and join us and share from from her perspective of things but we'll just talk about this first uh... <laughs> okay Bo um, welcome to the Most Yoga Podcast thanks for coming down to do this with me um, thanks for being willing to share and everything and I guess the first question and usually that's the first question that I ask most people is how did you even get started with yoga how did you even like become like reach this point you know like who were you before what 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 are all the stories like how, how did you you know how did yoga find you let's let's put it that way yeah well I was um, studying as a student abroad in Paris in my junior year and then I had a kind of desire and longing to figure out what real happiness was read I was not too happy and going through kind of an existential crisis and wanted to really know what I could really count on I was like finding myself way on the periphery of my thoughts in my mind and not able to find uh, a sense of stability and grounding and centeredness. 
which seems kind of trite, but literally, like, I felt like I was kind of swirling off, like, in this, like, intellectual endeavor that Paris is, right? And you're studying and you're reading, like, existential authors. And well, then, how old were you? Uh, 21. Wow, oh, no, not 21 yet. I was, like... It's like twenty, yeah, junior year. 20, yeah, that's yeah. a very, so that's a very influential yeah. age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were in Paris while you were doing this. Yeah. What were yeah. you studying? I was studying. Um, well, I was in Brussels the first semester doing an internship at the European Parliament, and then I went to Paris and I was just studying like French literature and like uh-huh. art history and things like that. So, okay, like, okay. things you can you know right. really take advantage of the city with you know especially the the art. So uh-huh. yeah, I can imagine so, as a twenty year old being in a place like that at that time or so. Like wow, okay. Yeah, it was an exciting time. It was yeah. um, a big contrast from the kind of intense like formation of yeah. Europe during the time they were getting ready to kind of sign the Maastricht Treaty to bring Europe into more of a. Uh, supranational entity as opposed to just a, an economic union so that was kind of a going on and then like going from there to like this very like bohemian kind of mm. like student lifestyle again which which I was more like a maybe more of a conservative type student that kind of like shifted my worldview a bit in Paris and then I was like this isn't giving me answers either so when I went back to university in Rochester New York I took more um, philosophy in Eastern philosophy classes and I met my professor who was teaching those classes Douglas Brooks who I happened to meet later when a, a f- couple business associates asked me to go to this meditation center in upstate New York in the Catskills and I, I heard my professor referencing that place that ashram I didn't know what it was where he took his senior students who'd been studying with him for like four years or graduate students down to some guys like leaving his body ceremony Mahasamadhi, which is what I later found out. So it turned out to be the same ashram that I went to, and I bumped into my professor there. He had been giving a lecture that day, and I had met the the guru in that ashram, the master, and um, I had actually gone out really late the night before, and I was really kind of hungover, and I was like so glad I was up there, but I was like somewhat like in a daze, and so then I went to um, have darshan, with the master which is where you go in front of the, the master and you literally have the vision of but it's a ceremony where you kind of like wait in line with a lot like thousands of people were there and receive um the vision darshan but also just to she just had a normal conversation with us she asked us where are you from and like how are you doing and what's your name and then they bop you traditionally the the gurus the masters with peacock feathers and it's that bopping that um, kind of confers like blessings or grace. Not the official awakening Shaktipat experience, the awakening descent of Shakti energy, but the kind of like informal like um, bestowal of a, a certain grace. So then after that experience, I went back and there's like audience seating, like, you know, like theater seating in the back. So I kind of sat there and then I either passed out because I was too tired or like I was going into meditation as well. And then I came out like in this like kind of like semi um, awake, semi sleep state, you know, that gray area. And then I just wandered around like feeling very present and grounded. I, and then I bumped in my professor in the um, in the cafe and he had just been giving a lecture in some classes uh, down the hall or something like that. So it was very auspicious, I felt. And then after that experience, like I um, had a dream where I was staring at her meditation picture that's called the Shaktipat picture. It's a picture where 
if you focus your intensity on it, like there could be an awakening experience. Because some in the tradition is like when you meditate on the form of the guru, the guru literally is um, not just the physical guru, the person, but the level of reality, the guru tattva, the kind of thatness, tattva means that, that level of reality on which the principle of reality at that level bestows and is concentrated and awakens you. So her picture like was kind of like one of the, one of the entryways kind of to that subtle realm, right? So I was staring at her picture in New York, longing to know the truth, that cultivation that I had since Paris. Then I fell asleep, and then in my dream, I was getting ready for a business conference I was going to go to, showering. And then I stepped out of the shower, which incidentally is like traditionally like you go before the master after purification, right? right so I stepped out of the shower, turned left, and there was this older Indian gentleman there in monk robes, and he stared at me and he goes, Bo, you're going to be late. Like, what? For the conference? <laughs> and then this light shot out of his eyes in the dream and pierced my dream body and I just fell back in this cushion of light I like to think about it and this cushion of energy and I felt like my sense of separation dissolved and later I find out that's like one of the ways that the the Shakti grace can kind of enter you in the dream state and pierce the it's called the Anavamala that the mala is like the covering or the cloaking the seal right that that limits you more like the noose but it's like a covering over the individual. So Anava Mala is one of the coverings that limit us in the tantric tradition. So that piercing of that veil of separation, the sense of smallness and individuality is what Anava is. So that was my first um, kind of initiation officially into yoga. <laughs> so. there's, a, there's a lot to break down here. Wow, <laughs> there's so many... Do you think that this... Were, did the dream that you had after that experience did you think it was meant to meant for you do you think there was some significance to it absolutely I, I mean, mean yeah yeah I mean it happens to anyone who's seeking and but it was kind of my Your time, individuals huh? souls like tailored oh. experience for awakening in oh. that moment yeah I felt oh. okay okay ironically it was awakening in a dream right yeah, <laughs> yeah. and awakening in a dream and yeah. then when you woke up from that dream, yeah, I I literally said to myself like I've just received the darshan of the Lord, uh, uh. darshan of the divine. And you were aware of all these terms, or all these yeah, things I had that been, would have happened. Actually, I've been doing selfless service yeah. in the bookstore of the same meditation center. Oh, so you're so, reading? Uh, yeah, yeah, reading. I was like studying, but I had that visceral, actual mm. experience of it. Yeah, I felt. So. Do you think that when if you hadn't known what that meant? And you experienced it without knowing what it meant. Would mm. you have even? Would you be able to have felt awakened? And do you mm. think, like, say, people who weren't aware of what was happening mm. felt that same thing, mm. but because they weren't aware of what it was, mm. Mm. would it? Would they still have been awoken? For me, it was very intense and uh. powerful. So I might have had the awakening experience, but not known, and maybe got freaked out about it, mm. and like not have the support system to expand and unfold that experience because some people will have spontaneous awakenings right and mm. then like they'll either like close down or run away from yeah. it because it's too scary, it's too scary. Yeah, yeah yeah they or, resist it huh? yeah they resist it yeah. or they'll like seek answers from you know right. the guru principle can manifest not in a 
individual guru relationship, uh-huh. but you know, through whatever aspect of the universe wants to come to you in the form of a teacher. Yeah. So. And then once you had that dream, once you, like, was it a, a immediate, like, oh, I, like once you see, you can't unsee moment. Um, Did you take some time to digest? It wasn't what like. It was? that super powerful one where you uh, like are fully uh, yeah, like, like yeah, just yeah. quit your job and go to the jungle that kind yeah, of thing yeah no no it was yeah, um, it was gradual yeah it was gradual and it's still unfolding you know mm. you never really feel like for me like fully like there you know you just like have the piercing and the experience and then that's what inspires you to go deeper into the practices yeah and continue to cultivate that awakening and now, how long ago was this? Like, how old um, were you? This was in 96, so... But, and, and did you have a physical practice back then? No, right, actually. Yeah. But I was doing martial arts back then. Ah. So that was my physical practice. So then my asana yoga practice started after I got injured doing pre-mixed martial arts, before mixed martial arts was a concept. Mm. My instructor was um, initially a, a... I think it was taekwondo. And then he got into kickboxing, and then he did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He also studied um, Kali and Silat for the Filipino and Indonesian stuff. And then we started also doing some Russian uh, Sistema. So Sistema. yeah, so he combined all those things, kind of like you know the way Bruce Lee like kind of intended yeah. you know to find like just the optimal play of distances, right? So use certain techniques at certain distances. So we would work on that stuff before, and then UFC was just starting mm-hmm. at the time. So I was shooting in on someone like, and he was a black belt and actually we were sparring, but you know, we were um, kind of like, he was like helping us more than officially sparring. So ironically, he, when I went to shoot in on him, um, he pulled back and then I went into a front split Hanuman Asana before I knew what that was (laughs) and then like I tore my hamstring pretty bad Um, it was all black and blue I couldn't walk for like three months and I was working in New York at the time and like was on crutches and one time I was like on my crutches with my torn hamstring got out of a taxi and I had like a long kind of winter jacket on closed the door on my jacket and then like the taxi started driving off I was like (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was going to be dragged down the street. And with, with, cr- with crutches, wild. yeah, yeah. So, okay, okay. so that after that, then a friend of mine introduced me to this Hatha Yoga teacher mm-hmm. who is also a part of the same um, uh, uh, yoga meditation um, guru tradition. So then after that, like, I had my first experience of Hatha Yoga and I felt this real sense of like another kind of awakening, but just physically mm-hmm. like open and free and kind of my back didn't hurt as much and I felt more upright and spacious yeah so wow, it was okay. from yeah often like a lot of people get injured right and then yeah, they yeah. come to find yeah yeah, yeah that's yoga. true yeah so. okay okay and then you decided to to practice more under yeah. him and then he eventually became your 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 teacher as well uh, no so the the guru um, actually I I went to do a lot of selfless service at the meditation center and I was in the bookstore a lot I did emceeing for programs and things like that so I did a lot of public speaking um, but it was very hard because I failed a public speaking course or I dropped out in in college because it was just too intense so then I ended up um, doing a lot of uh, public speaking but in a selfless way and we had coaches and the coaches who had a lot of experience would always like guide us and how to public speak and how to really it was like to crystallize your spiritual experience and then share that experience 
and then you know then you know make your words more terse and more clear but at the same time it was like trying to extract the kernel the experience from your own taste of it so that when you share it it's almost like we're all kind of separate wells mm. tapped into the same aquifer so if you tap into your well it's almost like people can sense that same connection and then they they have that intuitive experience of it as well so we our tradition we like to share our spiritual experiences i know some don't but it helps people to recognize that same experience in themselves you know because we all relate to it on the a same, deep level yeah, yeah. The same salsa yeah so i did a lot of emceeing seva uh, uh selfless service and then i um ended up uh meeting the founder of anusara through uh through that guru lineage my my first hatha yoga teacher she later also became an anusara teacher but she had been teaching for many many years she's like an old uh, old soul and mm. older in the tradition as well so yeah what is it too soon to ask what is anusara no no right. anusara is a practice of hatha yoga that was founded by john friend um and he had been practicing Iyengar yoga for a long time and he was a pretty senior Iyengar teacher. Then he did some Ashtanga and I think he explored other things as well. He's quite um, well, uh, well learned in many different things. So then he met the meditation master in her center in India and he similarly had an awakening during his uh, Anusara, um, during his um, time there and then certain insights came to him, certain principles that unified what he'd learned in the Iyengar method that he was able to synthesize into five main principles of alignment that you can, he called universal, that I feel really works in all different poses. Of course, you can refine and move in different ways for different body types, but generally speaking, the principles are organized in a way that seems to biomechanically fit and also expands to fit philosophically with the non-dual tantric tradition that he also learned from this meditation teacher and then he hung out with my professor douglas brooks also and one time the story goes um, they were having breakfast and john was like uh, hey douglas i got this really cool this new yoga style that i kind of think will be really good and it's related to the tantric philosophy and I think he said stuff like that and Douglas was like wow I've been studying this scripture that has the word Anusara in it I think would be perfect for your tradition Um, Anusara means flowing with grace or stepping into the currents of grace so that's how the sounds very tantric yeah yeah so um, yeah then from there uh, Anusara evolved and uh, I met John Friend at the ashram, the meditation ashram, and and that and when you met him, yeah. when you met him at that time, he had already perfect like created that. No, yeah. I'm sorry, he had perfected yeah. it. Yeah, he, it was in process, but um, he I think officially launched in '97, right? And then so I met him like '98 or so, like a little bit after. Yeah, but it was evolving up until that point. Yeah. What What was it about Anusara that you? connected with that method why not why wasn't it vinyasa or hatha mm. what was it specifically on, and how did it like help you or heal you or evolve you i think the main thing is the non-dual tantric philosophy 
that I was already studying during my time in the meditation ashram. Mm. And so I, I really resonate with that philosophy. And a lot of it comes from Kashmir Shaivism. But also, uh, Kashmir Shaivism is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, please is, explain. I yeah. give you like a look like, huh? <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the traditions of Tantra that many scholars of yoga believe is, is one of the most um, elegant and uh, unified non-dual traditions that really honor the non-dual tantric path really well. There's a sense that the philosophy encompasses not only intellectual understanding of non-duality, but the lineage and tradition and the practices is very complete. And one of the masters of that tradition, Abhinavagupta, was like the awakened, enlightened, polymathic genius, like Da Vinci of yoga. Yeah, he was an amazing, amazing being. And a lot of people like don't know about him, but some scholars had discovered him um, and Kashmir Shaivism buried like because some of the Rajas of uh, northern India had preserved the teachings but I forget who brought it to the limelight but then I think this one scholar who went under the alias of Arthur Avalon translated a lot of the works into English and then subsequently other scholars have taken um, taken that tradition and expanded and expounded on it more the most recent uh, Shaivism master to live and the last lineage holder was um, Swami Lakshmanju and a lot of the monks in the meditation tradition that I come from studied with him also in addition to our guru so what's what's your what is your meditation practice mm. like is it quiet sitting or is it it's, ritualistic no it's not so much ritualistic it's more um, Vijnana Bhairava Tantra techniques so Vijnana Bhairava is a, is a, a book of 100, 112 dharanas. So a dharana you can, can, be, can mean to have the vision of the master to see, um, but it can be centering visualization techniques too. But they're not just visualization, but centering techniques, like mm. mini meditations on the truth. So it can range anywhere from following the breath and pausing at two ends of the breath, you can add the mantra, so or hum on inhale and sa on exhale, which means I am that or that I am, but literally is I am he. Mm-hmm. But to make it more universal, we say I am that. So those techniques can range from sitting or can be moving meditation, can be um, the aesthetic experience of something very joyful using that as a meditative tool or something intense and like seemingly not so joyful like soldiers one 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 metaphor is they soldiers on a battlefield can have an awakening um just from the intensity of the situation right right? um so cultivating awakened experiences and keeping that awakened experience going throughout the day even when you're not in seated meditation which i also do but yeah um so i'll I'll switch between techniques depending where i am you know but my favorite is the soham mantra because it's it's breath but it's also following the breath to pauses and these pauses are like little um magical doorways to the heart as uh, one monk in our tradition uh 
former monk uh, wrote a book about. But I also use like that terminology because it does feel like there's there are little um, gaps in the matrix, you know, gaps in the natural, or not the natural, but the the regular conscious state, you know. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a glitch in the matrix that you can mm-hmm. slip into. Hey, Trinity, we're over here. Yeah. <laughs> make the call. <laughs> so you can make your own call. Okay, yeah. okay. So. so these were some of the offerings that, that, you, that was at the meditation place that you were at. Um, or were me- you attending? Or were you I was attending. Yeah, oh. I was attending. I was, whenever I was doing any kind of like service, it was like that. It wasn't like, you know, if we're teaching in the meditation center, like I taught Hatha Yoga and stuff like that, and I was on the teachings program. It was all under the auspices and the umbrella of service, rather than, you know, like I'm a teacher of this tradition, right, right, right. but you're you're the student, like serving the greater energy. So you just stayed energy. there, you stayed there um, and you just served, and every day you would, what's the schedule like? like? Yeah, so I transitioned from working full-time to being part-time in the Manhattan ashram. Uh-huh. And then I was uh, on staff, um, doing my selfless service. I also, the Manhattan Ashram had a, a community center that was officially like separate from the ashram, so I would do service there as well. And then I also had my full-time job. So wow. I lived at the ashram, had my full-time job, and then like after work, and you know, I would do stuff, service wow. and things like that. So then in 2002, my teacher moved to California. Um, she was in residence in Oakland for a while, so I went over there. Um, it, it synchronistically worked out that I was laid off and I got severance from my job and okay. I was able to go to California just around the same time. Right. <laughs> and um, so I had some funds to sustain me and I was on staff full time then and I did all various different savers. And while I was there, I uh, started deepening my Hatha Yoga practice in San Francisco, of course, mm. that area. New York is great too, but then from there I... Uh, um, did teacher trainings at the ashram, and then I met uh, my anger teacher, who I did a teacher training with as well, Tony Briggs in Marin County, great teacher. Um, he calls himself a hard-hitting yoga teacher. <laughs> so less like hard-oriented, but he's got a big heart, oh. but more like um, kind of a dry sense of humor and like, like outwardly stern but inwardly like teddy bear you know like hot on the outside yeah, soft on the inside yeah and very smart very intellectual but also very um, masterful in right. his teaching yeah so I really liked his class um, so I would travel like you know drive from Oakland to Marin like uh, you know 45 minutes you know so it seems place. like it seems like from the start of your journey or mm. of your path yeah. let's call it that once you started the path, you already had teachers all the way and you kept meeting them as you were going along. Yeah. It feels divine. Like you would keep saying, I went here, I met this guy, I went to the coffee shop, I saw that professor and then the next place I went to, I went to, I went to and you kept learning and learning and you kept meeting all these gurus along the way. Yeah, it's almost like it's divine. I think because I was at the point in my, I want to say, life cycle or soul cycle soul cycle (laughs) my cousin (laughs) the original yeah original spin um yeah i i was at that point where like i was longing Uh, knowing seeking so the teacher teacher appears yeah exactly the student was ready apparently so teachers many teachers appeared yeah so 
Wow. Uh, and how old were you at that time? Um, the initial meeting with my professor was like senior year in college. Yeah. So what is that? Like 21-ish? And then uh, up to the point when you met the big hot guy, the, the Ayanga teacher. Oh, that was 2002, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, wait, so how long were you in the ashram? I was in the ashram for, in the Oakland ashram full-time, would you say? Or, I or, guess. Yeah. yeah. So I was in the meditation ashram in California for about a year. And then a couple years before that, I was in the New York ashram. Okay. And then I was like doing seva and stuff before that. Yeah. So, oh. so you were in like your 20s, 30s staying in these places yeah. offering what you were offering yeah. learning what you were learning wow yeah. Yeah. that's a very un, un um, what's the word unusual life you know wow. yeah yeah okay okay so I was kind of like bucking with tradition and expectations from you know family and society but my parents are cool that they just um of course, want you to be as um, yeah. financially um, and professionally established as possible, you know. So I guess, like, I think just parents want you to just be okay. Yeah, yeah. And if you f- show them that, like, yeah, maybe I'm not like a, I'm not living a normal path, but like I'm all right. Yeah. And they'll they'll sort of let you do what you want. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think all anybody that started teaching yoga at some point would have had especially in Singapore mm. their parents are going to be like what, what, what is this <laughs> thing you're doing like what, yeah. what do you mean as long as they know that you're fine you're, you're fine so like and I'm sure like I don't know I mean I don't know how your parents were whether they were open or liberal when you told them like, yeah I'm going to quit my job or, or you know work in the ashram I'm, I don't, I'm sure they raised an eyebrow at you and they sort of questioned like you sure you know what you're doing like well, who are these people you hang out with did you have any conflict with that? Not so much. It was kind of a gradual. Uh, um, I didn't automatically say I was going to quit my job, mm-hmm. but definitely, like, you know, I had my awakening experience, and then I would do part time seva, and then I was full time on the ashram, and then I moved to California. So things kind of were unfolding gradually, and along the way, they were like always asking, so thinking about graduate school <laughs> but other than that no, they were pretty because they're Buddhist too so uh, yeah. okay okay were there any like um, major resistances on your path whether it was parents or work or life or oh. people that you met that sort of made you like hmm, am I on the right am I, am I on this path you mm. know am I on the right am I going the right way I think maybe if it's one thing it's just trying to figure out how to make a living mm. without fully like I mean I was in the ashram like on staff as well too so that was good but you know things changed in the meditation center so we couldn't be on staff full time so then but part of me moving to California was I was at a meditation intensive um, in Oakland before I moved to California full time I was still living in New York so I went out to visit for the weekend and during one of the sharing sessions um it was about a celebration of service that whole time she was there. So I, I said I would like to serve in the capacity. I didn't say capacity in sense, so, <laughs> so stodgy. But I, I said I'd like to serve as a Hatha yoga teacher and offer my savor in that. Because I, I was like still wanting to do stuff like more in like, I don't know, professional, kind of like more stable job. But then 
I like Tatha Yoga, I love Tatha Yoga, and I also was into movement and martial arts all my life. So I thought, let's see if I can combine the two. And then with Anusara, it marries my love for the non-dual tantric philosophy and allows me to share that with right. whoever will be open to. Yeah. Okay, okay. So and then I guess like that was that was a lot of the rest is history yeah we are now. yeah so then um yeah in, in california i uh met a friend and she had gone to a workshop with john friend and ended up meeting the founder of pure patrick krillman and he was recruiting for singapore just opening up and she didn't want to go to asia she wasn't ready to leave so she told me about it and then so that's how I ended up in Singapore. Wow. Yeah. So that's where we uh, <laughs> we could say okay, it's, okay. Uh, that's history. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Let me think about that timeline. Like it has has things always sort of moved so like so so chow. How do you say that? Like very soon, everything like you meet this person and yeah, uh, coincidental like everything like synchronistic. Yeah, yeah, everything guided you to the next path. In retrospect. In it, it seems does sound that like way, it, like the way you say yeah. that everything's sort of yeah. it's sort of laid out for you like it's meant to be wow but I think for everyone it is it's just that you that's know why, that's why I asked yeah, like, was yeah. there any resistance like were there any things that like yeah, made you was, second guess how things were there was always you know there's always challenges you uh. know there's always like it doesn't always feel like it's like this yellow brick road <laughs> you know mm. that that's unfolding although at that that transition between. New York and California and then to teaching Hatha Yoga, I felt a lot of doors open, like mm. just magically, synchronistically. One thing opened up and then like I got into the Hatha Yoga trainings at the ashram and, you know, actually John Friend was actually teaching that and like it was like a level two training, you know, which was really high level training for someone who was relatively new. So like then like people who were chosen to go study with John Fran at the main ashram like we're then like tasked to go back and like teach the other teachers like in service right mm-hmm. so it wasn't like high pressure but it was like wow you're like kind of a new teacher but you're teaching a teacher training right, but right. really sharing it's, it's pressure yeah. yeah so but it was it's grace I mean that's what Anusara means stepping into the current of grace is another way to say it right. so when you step into that current or flow so with way of too, uh, yeah so I, maybe that's wow. you know that's the the current that uh, that makes I mean that sounds yeah. so divine like Anusara is, is that right stepping into the flow yeah. and then you you embodied it and the flow really guided you all the way like it guided you there were a bit of rough currents here and there a couple of rapids yeah, yeah. but like as long as you're on the right path the, the water will always take you where you need to go I think so and you know just talking to you now like looking back yeah mm-hmm. it feels like I've had inklings of that but just to see it you know, from this perspective, yeah, there's that crystallization of mm-hmm. it. And also, like, kundalini awakening, right? That the initial dream awakening is the beginning of Raja Yoga, which is the mm-hmm. royal road, right? So it's that royal road that kundalini is guiding you on, and the spiritual path is... So you're, you're guided not only into bhukti, or mukti, um, mm-hmm. liberation, liberation, but bhukti... So bhukti is enjoying the play of consciousness or the pleasures of the world as well. So the kundalini um, doesn't want you to, it may, um, but ultimately it doesn't want you to like just live in a cave in, mm. in, in, a, in a secluded place, but 
to see the one of the buzzwords of non-dual tantra is recognize, recognition, recognize that nothing exists that is not shiva. Everything is uh, everything illusion. is shiva. Yeah. yeah, this is not even an illusion. Everything that exists, even the most mundane or seemingly disgusting and vile, radically, you must affirm that it is consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's like pixels on on your computer, my phone, right? All the the beauty that you can see in like you know a 4K like video of you know Iceland, right? <laughs> to like the most like nasty thing that you can see is still contained with within the screen. They call it the screen of consciousness. Consciousness pours forth the whole universe onto its own screen for its own delight. How? Why? Just for the because it has the pure freedom to do so. If it's everything and all. What can it do? It can limit itself and pixelate itself. Mm-hmm. Slower vibrations of the one within itself. So, it, if it's everything, its freedom to create is limitation within its fullness. But that never gets lost. Like fullness remains when you take perfection from perfection. Fullness, wow. perfection remains. Yeah. So you were saying that uh, when you had your awakening, mm-hmm. and this is this awakening the same as the dream awakening? Is the Kundalini awakening the same I, as the dream one that you were saying? That dream awakening, I, I believe, is the Kundalini awakening, yeah. How can one identify such a revelation? It's It happens to different people in different ways. There's, there's different Kundalini mm. awakening experiences, and it can awaken subtly, physically, in different centers, either in the traditionally in the root chakra, mm. the uh, muladhara, or even in the heart. Or in the third eye, so there's knots in those centers called grantis. So the power of shakti, the descent of shakti, called shaktipat, awakens and pierces that knot, and then the kundalini will start to move and awaken within. So you may feel it in the base, you may feel it in the heart. Sometimes feel a pressure release in the third eye. Makes sense. So, makes sense. and then it can manifest as. Subtle tingling up the spine. It can manifest as a powerful, like piercing of a sense of separation and seeing and experiencing unity. It can be energy, like lightning bolt up the spine feeling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is something you experienced? Yes, recently. No, oh, no, recently. Not, yeah, I, oh. I, I, I was telling my friends because mm. I, I went on my trip. Yeah. Right. I went on my trip recently. I came back. A lot of things has happened over there, and I came back feeling different. Mm. I, feel, I felt stronger I felt mm. more more ready right mm. and then the super moon that happened a couple mm. of weeks ago before or maybe like one or two days before that happened I was talking yeah. to Mayan yeah. and I think this was maybe my first week back I was just sort of getting back into teaching right. meeting up with people chatting with people and I was just chatting with Mayan and I can't remember what we were talking about I think she was just updating me about stuff mm. about what was happening in Singapore and then I rem- I remembered after she left and then I was on the on the bus home and I felt like this surge of energy and this was in the daytime I wasn't dreaming or anything. Yeah, it was like 5pm on the way yeah, home yeah. I felt an energy and I felt a rage of, I wasn't angry but wow. I felt like it was so like it was surging within mm. me and I felt almost angry but it it was powerful it wasn't like rage yeah, it was just yeah. like overwhelming and yeah. I felt like I could do anything mm. And then that was the point where like I sort adrenaline of adrenaline, adrenaline, sort of like an adrenaline. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. that's a good way to describe it. No. So, and there was no, there was no 
way to I mean there was no like there was no catalyst mm. it wasn't like something hit, hit me and then like yeah. I, un, I, I, I raged or something yeah, it yeah. was just something like I was on the bus she oh. had left like maybe five minutes ago <laughs> I was sitting there I just felt like slowly slowly I was just building up the energy building building mm. and then I had like a like a moment I just felt like everything is different now I'm different mm. and I feel so strong and I feel so powerful and and then that's why I went back on social media because I was out I was away from social media for like a year oh wow and then I just decided like I got nothing to hide anymore I'm mm. just back I'm mm. back and I'm renewed I'm reborn yeah yeah like, I felt reborn oh, like good. something yeah. just like opened up mm. and it just I, I mean I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain it I don't know how to you're doing I, a good job yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't even know what is going on but I just mm. remembered feeling a surge of energy yeah and I remember texting my friends, uh, a few of my friends, my close friends, like, like I just I feel very angry. I just feel something. I don't know how to describe it. That's why I called it rage. Yeah, yeah. But it was just a surge of energy. Huh. And it was just like, it felt an awakening of sorts. Like something mm. was opened, the mm. energy was released. Mm. And then now I was embodying, I was sort of trying to manifest the energy or tame the energy. Mm. And maybe I needed to like, uh, put the energy out into something else or whatever. But I just yeah. felt very... Uh, awakened though uh, yeah yeah, yeah. You, and that you, was like a couple of weeks ago seemed like you were like you alluded or you said the word no need to hide anymore and yeah. maybe you were like feeling liberated on some level and something that you were holding mm. was being released mm. and coming up you're letting I mean energy is energy you yeah. can relabel it emotions right but it's it's the divine power within us that yeah. wants to move and be free to express without hurting anyone of course like if it's anger yeah. but like be spontaneously appropriate energetically to the needs of the moment I know? think what was different about that that day or that energy that I felt was was it was different from how you know maybe you you drink a cup of coffee you feel a bit energized it wasn't yeah. like that it wasn't like yeah. a physical sensation it mm. was more vibrational it mm. was very it was very like I just felt like I don't know I just felt mm. very deep that was coming out mm. and it wasn't like emotional it wasn't like I was crying or anything it just felt like oh you know I just guttural like, visceral like yeah just something just something was just primal like, right? primal yeah. wow yeah. that's it yeah, yeah. I, I felt that too yeah, and it yeah. felt like like something that was um, that uh, that had been passed down mm. like mm. like maybe it's a guy thing maybe it's a masculine thing maybe it's a human thing where it's just mm. people have felt this before and mm. I felt like Mm. It has been passed down somehow. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. within me, but it was also within everybody else. Like an archetypal, typical some kind, experience. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like it was hardwired in us already mm. a long time ago. Mm. Um, and then it felt just a shift, mm. you know. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether that was a... I don't think so. But it felt similar to what you were saying. That's why when I when and it I was heard upward it, rising, it was upward. It was yeah, just yeah, it yeah. was just like yeah. really building, building. You know, like when you watch Dragon yeah. Ball, like he's just yeah. like charging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like that. So okay, it was just like a like it would it hit the roof and then it was, mm. but it wasn't like a explosion. It just felt like a yeah. yeah. It sounds like it, it very well could be. You know, just mm. keep contemplating it. You know, mm. you can journal about it and just see what comes up. Mm. Uh, meditate on it. You know? I haven't I haven't meditated in a long time. I really should. I feel like I need to. Yeah, and don't even label it meditation. You yeah. just sit and just remember sit. that experience on the bus. Yeah. You know, and what it was and without trying to pull anything out of it, just sit with it, you know, and yeah. just don't even think about the experience or may just use some key words that get you to remember that mm-hmm. experience in your own consciousness. And just 
like tend it like a garden, you know, and cultivate that expansive. Sounds like a, like the, like an inner, deeper power, like a. It's called like the stumba inside. It's like the, your inner core, like stability stamba, same similar root. I imagine like inner core power, like rising. You know, yeah. Huh. So, I don't know whether other people have similar experiences. Maybe, yeah, maybe it, it is. It sounds. It sounds. Like, like was it similar classic to is like the lightning bolt, but I, mine was more here in the uh. into the eyes, and then like a dissolving into it. So, but I felt that way. Like, was it vis- visceral? It was like a total dissolving, dissolving. of the sense of, of of separation of individuality. Yeah, You're right. The whiteness. So, yeah, but I've I've had other meditation and kundalini experiences where. I dropped into a deep grounded place while we were in this big kirtan chant at the meditation. I'm sure that. Yeah. So everything was kirtan like can do that to you. So. Really wild, but then I everybody's like, energy is all like. Then I just dropped yeah. in, and then I came out of that chant. Like, I went into the the cafe, same cafe, and mm. I I picked up like a cookie. It was like the most beautiful cookie <laughs> I ever bought. It was like scintillating, and it was like slow motion, like. 8k video yeah. you know like picking up like marveling at it and it was just i was so in clear. this soup of clearness yeah. if that that's kind every of every crust every yeah. crumb yeah. see it being formed like cookies so yeah. yeah yeah so have you had i've had I've, yeah. I've had that with the help of certain stuff <laughs> but oh, then like okay. yeah yeah but never on my own yeah but i guess like kirtan can do that kirtan mm-hmm. can definitely give you a, a certain clarity yeah of that yeah yeah. And then in the presence of the the guru as well, like uh, even right. more powerful. Yeah. So, have you ever felt uh, certain such awakenings while you were meditating? Um, in different meditation programs, but my meditations, I often go to the third eye, mm-hmm. and so my deeper ones, it's so on inhale to the heart, and then hung to the third eye, and that hung resonates to the third eye and then it's the 12 fingers above and below so so into the heart more or less. yeah more or less right or it could be the throat for some but and then hung to the third eye and then 12 fingers above and I feel like this expansive above but mm-hmm. in the middle you get to between so and hum and as you get more quiet the the breath length shortens right and gets more subtle and you're just left with the subtle vibration between so hum, so hum. And it gets closer and closer mm-hmm. together. And you're just left with the bindu, the seed, that one pointedness. And sometimes, like, my consciousness and everything will pull into that one seed and still point. And then it actually contracts my whole face, like my eyes and my face will get really tight. And there's, I actually read this later that it's, um, a lost tantric technique which these tantric techniques you don't really do but it's the kundalini that does it to you mm-hmm. so it's more like a kriya you know like spontaneous movement so I had this kriya where the eyebrows knitted together and that's called brukshetra I believe um, don't quote me on the pronunciation but it's the, the tensing of the eyebrow center to a still point and then after that coalescing into that still point everything my whole being contracts into that still point 
then an expansion. I feel this like vast, it's like a black hole, void. Everything yeah, sucked in. yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and then the Big Bang yeah. out of that. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. so that happens for me in meditation more so than the other stuff. And you know, as you practice more, like yes, it's good to have experiences, spiritual experiences, but let go of the experience itself because that can be another form of. Materialism, Attachment, yeah, yeah, spiritual materialism, chasing it, yeah, chasing. So I just kind of like sit, open, do my techniques that help me center, and then if that centering reopens me back to expansive awareness, or I just sit into openness and just be, um, and intend to recognize that nothing exists, even non-meditative quote non-meditative experiences, nothing exists that is not the highest. Yeah. It takes a lot of discipline, though, to, to be able to to commit to such a practice without uh, without expecting anything, mm. and then to also be strong enough to receive at that point should anything be given to you. Yeah, I think with that's why first principle of Anisara is open to grace. Open to grace, step yeah. into the flow. Yeah, with grace, with the support of your inner wisdom, your inner guru principle. Mm all things are possible so um, uh, and it's it's like you like you said you step onto that conveyor belt you know who, who is your inner guru what does that mean it's the state of the awakened one you're like buddha means awakened right. one right so it's your intuition your inner guide your your, your true self your true self that literally is there to awaken you yeah that's the purpose of the guru to move you from gu mm. darkness to ru, light light supposed to oh, gu gu <laughs> okay okay so, yeah wow. so your experience was great yeah cultivate that and I it almost felt like the the hood of the cobra you know like mm. when you you were posture you're showing the posture of how yeah. you felt you know that like cave of the heart feeling like that like you know, like almost like you're 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 getting ready for you know a sparring session, you know, in jujitsu or MMA. So you interesting. Know, that and I guess power, yeah. I guess I mean like Kundalini is the serpent, and then I I think I only I started to devote a little bit more to Shiva, mm. and then I have a, a little thing that I have at home, and then I get I got my snake tattoo here. It oh. all makes sense, no? Nice. I nice. feel like I'm stepping into that that space or so. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. And then mm. the trip happened. It wasn't. It I. I had planned to go on my trip but then mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to and then like you know, things happen I was so, I'm also flaking I was talking to Sh- Shirley like oh should I go then, then you, you remember you yeah I'm glad I did it so then you told me like okay just go you know yeah. let me show up blah blah I was like okay I'll go and I went and then the things happened and I came back and then I was on a bus and I had that <laughs> you know maybe all that was leading, leading up to that little moment on the bus yeah think of that Cheryl Crow song what if God was wow. one of us? <laughs> he is. <isn't laughs> Just he? a stranger he is, on the bus. And he's right? all of us. Right? Yeah, yeah, he exactly. is. Interesting. Yeah. <sighs> um, Good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. This is this is the stuff I like to talk about. Yes. By the way. So yeah. You, right? you got me. You it got took me. a while. It took a while. Like, I was I was super nervous at the start. I was oh. just trying to like, okay, tell me tell me about your life. And it, it was a bit. Of, it was like now you know after a while then we start yeah. to we're really talking we're yeah. talking now there's no none of this anymore right yeah, yeah. there's no nothing else anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's that that intention you know like where you you have like of course like if you're public speaking or even just like you know one-to-one but mm-hmm. with a public potential 
uh, audience. Yeah, it can that's, be. That's the beauty about energetic. This. That's that's the beauty yeah. about why I like to do the party because even though it seems like it's just the two of us, which which it is. I mean, yeah, yeah it's just the two of us. But you you don't really know who's listening. You don't know who, like there are so many people that that have listened to it and have have like spoken to me like mm. like students or whoever that just say like, yeah I listen to the party and all that and I'm like I I some some people like don't even practice yoga they like, mm. DM me on on Instagram and like mm. oh, I, I listen to it like cool do you, like are you a student at the studio like no like, I don't even practice yoga like wow who else is listening to this you know wow. I really don't know yeah wow that's yeah, great it's yeah. so cool yeah it's the power of technology <laughs> <laughs> as a force for good <laughs> yeah um. How did you and Shirley meet? We met in Singapore when uh-huh. I came here. Shirley was practicing at another studio, and she came to the workshop. Patrick was here in town uh, doing a workshop, and I was attending. Singapore, right? Yeah, as a new teacher, I was attending his workshop, and Shirley was also attending. So we met after the workshop. Mm. So. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is that the end of the story? <laughs> well, then um, she changed memberships to come to uh, Pure and practice uh, at Pure and she came to a lot of my classes and she still does come to my class and we were friends for a while first and then one thing led to another that's and you guys have been ever since then holding your TTs your workshops your immersions your retreats all together Uh, you know even even now when we're doing this podcast Shirley's here to support you quietly from the sidelines we we want her to join the conversation yeah we want her to yeah I have (laughs) I I actually prepared some questions for for Shirley if you want to you can join us okay she also prefers to you know support in in teaching the trainings as well and things like that too she also teaches herself but Mm. um, she also likes to work with me in the trainings yeah so um so you, you, you conduct your TTs at once a year, twice a um, year? Once a year usually, but um, we may consider doing something, you know, like a condensed one, like in a more... Emerge, immersion, right? Uh, retreat-like one. locale, mm, maybe Chiang Mai or something. Yeah, yeah. come. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start, yeah, okay. <laughs> so. I'm planning to go back another year. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're thinking about doing, possibly doing retreat in November there, so. I might, I'm, I probably, I haven't decided whether I want to head back around November. It's more November, December for December, us. Yeah. because yeah. my mom's birthday is end of November, so oh, I, I'll okay. probably stay, and then I'll head, I'll head oh, off in December. So then it might be nice there at the same time. Yeah. Cool, cool. Okay, and okay. then, um, yeah, then we have a teacher training planned on the 25th of June. So nice, that'll be yeah. for 10 weeks, yeah. So you can, or 10 weekends. Yeah. You can do 100 hours of immersion for six weekends or the full, yeah. What can people expect from your, from these trainings? From, um, from to the Anusara lineage method. To learn the non-dual philosophy and how it elegantly and I believe very beautifully integrates with how the body is organized. Because if nothing is nothing exists that is not this one consciousness, then it has this fractal-like organization. You can think of the spine as one, mm-hmm. right? Or even each upper arm bone as one. Then you have two forearms, and then three smaller wrist bones, and then four, and then five, right? So one, two, three, four, five, very organized coming out, but back to a central core, which I was missing in my days in Paris. So Anusara like is a kinesthetic, physical metaphor for 
moving from periphery, either fingertips, you know, phalanges, <laughs> or you know, the periphery of your mind, back to that still point or back to what we call focal points. There's three main ones in the body that everything draws to: mm. core of the pelvis, base of the sternum, or upper palate, like headstand, upper shoulder palate. stand. Oh. So everything coalesces to those focal points. Black hole, right? Stillness. Yeah, yeah. That was and what I was thinking. Yeah. And expands back out. Big bang. So that works in the body, and therapeutically, it seems to me and a lot of uh, healing practitioners. Um, from you know, body workers to kinesiologists, they resonate with it too. So yeah, you can bring the philosophical understanding into the body and embody, and it becomes like a moving, meditative uh, practice, pulsing, sponda, pulsing in and out of form, in and out of source. Yeah. So not only that, but all the the usual yoga alliance, you know, yeah. requirements as well, but couched in the Anusara um, vernacular and principles and technique. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And we open to grace so that it's not me, the teacher, but I, you know, I'm, I've learned things from my teachers, but we invoke that inner guru in all of us. The inner we guru. intend, wow. yeah, that strong intention to invoke. And that's really powerful in the Anusara invocation too when we sing it, because it invokes that that presence that right. you experience and I experience I've been to your Anusara I think twice always like yeah I just it's nice it's always nice that everybody knows the chant everybody uh, you know yeah we do a call and response usually yeah. like we'll have cards that we give out uh, traditionally but just to keep it more minimalist yeah, at, at home like, yeah yeah it's like collecting giving yeah. back so um, call response is actually even more traditional so okay. yeah yeah by oral tradition <laughs> huh. yeah I think when I there's only a few practices that still have opening and opening mantras mm. when I first when I started doing Ashtanga I liked and I started teaching it also mm. I would open and I would close and I, I liked it there was mm. just something special about it it, was, mm. it felt like 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 almost anything that you do there's an opening and there's a closing mm. there's a beginning and an end mm. and oftentimes when we do certain things we don't really start at the beginning mm-hmm. nor do we close it appropriately at the end like it's always just in the middle it's quick it's short it's fast yeah yeah but stuff like fixed sequences like say I, I mean I don't know much about Anusara but like say from an Ashtanga point of view fixed sequence start yeah. to finish opening closing right. it's very straightforward you can't just stop halfway there's no there, there isn't such a thing where you just do uh, or you modify it in that particular way yeah I'm sure there is but like it's, it's it just feels a bit off you know mm, mm. and then because of such structures there is a way to build on or there's a way to um, simplify there's mm-hmm. a there's already a skeleton mm-hmm. so like you can take away you can put in but there's always just this that body and I feel like even something like a mantra where it's so simple but it's so significant where mm. we're gonna start when mm. we sing the mantra okay it's the end we close the mantra mm. so divine so simple yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's the like the pauses you know between yeah. breaths yeah, yeah, yeah. too yeah yeah, yeah, everything's in a cycle, and you know you honor the transition points. Right, you right. know, like between activity. My teacher always said, like, pause and honor the mm. transition. You know, don't quickly rush to the next thing. So mm. yeah, you definitely are yeah. the same flow. And yeah. I guess something like that, where like like these methods, where like yeah, there there is no rushing because mm-hmm. if you rush it, it, it doesn't even 
it, there's nothing to rush to. Yeah. You have to start from here yeah. and then you close here. Yes. Yeah, there's exactly. no starting in the middle because it doesn't even become, it's not even called that anymore if you start like that way. Yeah, and yeah. you miss the main point of the practice which is yeah. the presence, the, the flow state yeah. you know, that you, yeah. you get into as you really are mindful. Even, yeah, the ending and closing from one pose to the next, you know, that transition as opposed to like just, you know, quickly rushing to the next pose or like trying to get into a standing pose as fast as possible, you know, be the first one up, you yeah, know, yeah. but you're still wobbly and yeah, your yeah. feet aren't aligned. Yeah. yeah. So. <sighs> okay. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when's your, uh, do you have any upcoming retreats or TT? So you say the, the TT is happening next year, June. Yeah. And you have a potential retreat happening in December. Yeah. And all End the details can be found on your website or something? Yeah. So our website is uh, Spandananda. S-P-A-N-D-A-N-A-N-D-A. Spanda. Expandix. <laughs> Spanda and then Bliss Ananda. The bliss of pulsation. Mm-hmm. The infinitesimal stirring that like that mm-hmm. seed of the third eye with brimming with potential. That's what Spanda is. But it's that flashing forth and the drawing of the universe. Creation, destruction, creation, destruction. Mm-hmm. But in every moment. Yeah. Like pixels on and off, binary. So it looks like things are marching and moving, but it's actually flashing on and off in sequence. Yeah, so it it's this like, constant yeah. opening, closing, yeah. creating, destroying. Yes, the, yeah, the opening, Shima closing Vishnu, of the yeah. eyes, you know. The, yeah. Yeah. the inhale, exhale, everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. So Spandananda is the website and yoga boga on instagram i don't i don't post a lot like you okay. i'm not very active on social media but if you message me or you tag me or something and then i'll respond yeah okay okay yeah yoga b-o-b-h-o-g-a yoga boga okay yeah so and and any other stuff like instagram same thing right yoga boga yeah yoga boga instagram and otherwise you can just find home yoga yeah, home yoga, yeah. yeah. h-o-m <laughs> <sighs> okay well, I'm so happy you had that experience on yeah, the bus. Yeah, I, really I, I mean, I never, I never, I knew what I was feeling at that time. Yeah. I didn't know what it meant until, uh, like, and then you were telling me, and I didn't even put it together when you said that the dream mm. part, mm. and then when you said the Kundalini part, like mm, maybe it was because it, it was it's that rising feeling, that mm. that awakening. Nothing changed, but then also everything changed. And and an interesting thing also, like you know, I don't know whether it's true, but like they say that every seven years. Yeah. Your cells die, and you're a different person every seven years, right? A new right? body, right? a new body, yeah. right? A new everything about you, every every cell in mm-hmm. your body takes seven years to to grow and to, to die, and then they spawn again. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I was thirty I'm thirty five two days ago. Oh right? wow! So yeah. that's seven years. Yeah, seven, yeah. Seven, seven. So like yeah. a few days before the moon, I felt mm-hmm. that, and then now I am thirty seven, which is five five times already. Right? Five mm-hmm. times seven. Yeah, so yeah. like when I thought about that upon further reflection mm. and I, it sort of also made sense where like mm. maybe this is also like a new me now mm. new new possibilities new journeys and new, yeah, new, yeah. new stuff yeah definitely good on you man that's Thanks, great <laughs> alright um, all the stuff that I wanted to ask you sort of said already do you have okay. any final words any final stuff no I just want to thank you for Starting up again, and um, I appreciate <laughs> yes, the opportunity. This is my to comeback, share. comeback episode. I haven't done it in like over a year, so yeah, good to start season two. Glad to be the first yeah. one on that new, new you journey. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So appropriate. Yes, yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Bo. You're welcome, Aaron. Thanks. Thanks. Shirley, do you want to say anything? 
<laughs> She's waving, says no. She's shy. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it as that. Okay. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Any final words you want to say to people? See you at the other studio when we both go teach our classes. Hey, yeah, cool. <laughs> no, thanks everyone for listening and um, come join us whenever you can if you're in Singapore or if you find us online, uh, look for us there. Okay, and with that, that's the end. Bye. Okay, fun. Yeah, thanks so much. That was great. Okay, here's the. This is the end of the first episode of season two. Uh, I'm glad you. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, at the end of the podcast, uh, I don't know what you, you you can hear Shirley talking a bit before I cut it off. So she was saying that, um, she was telling me like, what uh, what did she say? Uh, she said like, she reaffirmed what I was saying about how nothing has changed, but everything has changed, and she sort of reminded me of that. She sort of said that. Like that sort of summed up everything that that was that was what we talked about, and that was what was going on with the world. And I felt that that was something that I always remind myself. It's a saying that I always use. Everything's changed, but nothing's changed. But somehow, when she said it back to me, it felt like a very nice reminder to myself. I don't know. Seems like something I wanted to shine the light on. Um, if you like what you hear, just share it with your friends. Post it on IG. Tag me. Tag the Mostly Yoga IG. Repost it. Blah blah blah. You know the drill. Same same. You can um also again as a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, you can click on the link below. Find my coffee page. Send me some uh you know pocket money. Keep this thing going. And uh, let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to reach out. If you have any questions for Bo, for Shirley, you can always reach out to him as well. Days with all, days of the retreats are all below. Days of all the workshops and all that. You can find it on the homepage or, or you can just ask him, ask me. I'll, I'll, I'll link you guys up. If you, see him at, if, if you see me at the studio, I need to enunciate my words. I'm ranting here sometimes. If... You see me at the studio. You want to say hi? Feel free to do so. If you see him, let him know that you listen to it. It's nice to you know. It's nice to you know just share it with people. What else? Ah, uh, what else do I always say at the end? Oh, I'm so rusty. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, lah. And then cue outro music. Ding 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 ding. You know the, the familiar tune. I paid like twenty dollars for that, eh? But like, I realized like now there are all these sites where you can just download free, royalty-free music. But back then, when I first started, I didn't even know. Can I go and search through, search through all these random like random synthetic music? And I just okay, I picked this one, which is still nice. I like it. But like, fuck, could have just had one for free. Uh, that's it, lah. Huh? Uh, as you know that I, you know, I popped out three episodes at once so go ahead and listen to the next one it's uh, Lee very uh, very popular uh, and then uh, yeah, that's it lah. I'll see you in the next episode I'll rant I'll talk more about it later so have a good day have a good night whatever time you're listening to this have a good life mm, okay that's all thank you bye